Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, welcome everybody to the Must Read Alaska show. I'm your host, John Quick, coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And uh, I want to just thank everybody for tuning in to Must Read Alaska. Um, we have, I think, 261 episodes now on the Must Read Alaska show. Man, that's more, that's about 260 more than I ever thought we would do. And uh, we just keep kind of keep plugging away here. And uh, we have a lot of listeners. And so I want to just take a moment to thank our listeners we have listeners in the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, Austria. Those are some of the big places, big uh, numbers that uh, folks are listening to our podcast on a regular basis. And I just think that's a hoot. Suzanne and I both think that that's a hoot. So if you read our, if you read Must Read Alaska on mustreadalaska.com and you like what you read or you like what you listen to, feel free to click on the right-hand side. There's a little donate button and we are funded by $5 donations, $10 donations, $100 donations. We're funded by folks just like you in Alaska that read, watch, and listen to our stuff and like it. And uh, we're not funded by some big nonprofit conglomerate, George Soros, you know, extremist type situation. We're just funded by normal everyday Alaskans. So um, we have ads every once in a while, but for the most part, it's just folks like you listening to right here today that are funded must read Alaska. So if you already do that, we want to thank you because you help keep the lights on here and uh, feel free to give us a good review. All you got to do is go on your phone, click on the podcast, click on the five stars. It says one, two, three, four, or five. You didn't have to write anything. You just click on the five stars. So um, without further ado, we have a very special guest today. Um, she's been on the show a number of times this last 12 months, and we're very excited to have her back. Uh, Kelly Chewbacca, welcome to the Must Read Alaska show. Thanks for having me, John. It's always great to be with you. Well, I'm super excited that you're on the show. Our listeners are huge fans of Kelly Chewbacca, and um, they seem to can't get enough of you. And so tell us how the campaign is going. Um, I know that um, you just did like a big tour of Alaska. It seems like you've been doing a big tour of Alaska for the last year, but... <laughs> Tell us how that's been going. What are the people saying? What are the people excited about? What are their concerns? Give us the scuttlebutt of the latest tour that you just did here in Alaska. Yeah, that's right. We just calculated it up. It's been nearly 600 days on the campaign trail, getting out to all of Alaska. Nikki, my husband and I, we just finished a two-week tour through as much of Alaska as we could cover in that time, 23 different communities. We were doing get out the vote rallies and knocking on doors, often well below zero, and just getting as many Alaskans connected as we could. And it's interesting, you knock on a door of just an average Alaskan house. I've knocked on thousands of doors at this point across Alaska, rural communities, rail belt communities, every region that you can imagine. And a lot of times people will just look at me with that look and I'll say, you're not interested in talking about politics? And they're like, yeah, that's right. And I say, that that's where we all are this year. For me, it's not about politics, it's personal. This is my first time doing anything political. 
I've had an apolitical career for two decades. I fix government, and that is appealing to everybody, reducing excessive government spend, making the bureaucracy less bureaucratic, making sure things work for us, the people, instead of against us, exposing waste, fraud, and abuse. And so I've been able to work for all administrations and get a lot of things done, helping to return billions of dollars to taxpayers. But it got personal. When we can't pay for gas and groceries and there are Alaskans across the state who aren't sure how they're gonna heat their homes this winter, that's personal. That's what got me into the race. My parents were homeless before I was born. And my mom with a high school degree was able to get a job at the slope and that changed everything. They were able to fight their way into the working class and get a starter home in the valley and have me. And I had a wonderful Alaska childhood being raised here. But we can't have those kind of opportunities when the Biden administration has targeted those industries and our jobs for shutdown. They targeted us on day one and it hasn't stopped. And if we don't have government fighting for us, but fighting against us, it affects our families. And every time we go to the gas pump, we're paying the price for the Biden administration and their policies and the radical environmentalists leading the charge. But what got me in the race was seeing our incumbent cast the tie-breaking vote for one of those radical environmentalists to be one of Biden's cabinet secretaries, who actually is leading the charge to shut down those industries. And it just shouldn't be that way. Someone who's expressing our voice and our values and our vote should fight for us, not against us. And so that's why I got into the race. We're just fighting for the Alaskans who fought for us, John. We owe a lot to this state and the people who came around us to help us. So that's what we're doing. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these kind of extremist folks that you're, uh, the incumbent has uh, either voted on to approve or been very excited about that uh, their appointments. One of these is this kind of like defund the police activists, which is in charge of all the local law enforcement grants, including the ones that Alaska would get. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on how choices like, uh, you know, approving this defund the police activists that you're, uh, the incumbent did, how does that affect Alaska? Because a lot of times I think folks are like, oh, the stuff they do in DC doesn't really affect us. You know, they don't, you know, they can just kind of do whatever they want. I don't really care. It doesn't affect my daily lives. I'm sure that this affected people's daily lives in rural Alaska. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, John, you're right. I think in 49 other states, what happens in DC has somewhat of an effect, but you know they've got really large state operations and economies and things that happen at the local level that can really offset something that happens in DC. That's not happening here. Our state budget is largely controlled by oil and gas revenues that are essentially determined by decisions made by bureaucrats on a beltway 4,000 miles away who've never set boot in our state. And so the people who we put in charge in Washington, D.C., when Washington, D.C. owns more than half of our state, well more than half, they're determining how we live up here. Their quality of life is going up and our cost of living is going up. And we don't understand why politicians are making decisions that make them popular at the expense and cost of the people here in Alaska. And so this particular person, Vanita Gupta, it sure made the incumbent real popular with the insiders in D.C., but this is the reality here. Uh, we lead the nation in crime, if you will, sexual assault, domestic violence, things that are horrible that are happening, especially out in rural Alaska. And Vanita Gupta is now in charge over at the Department of Justice of the office that decides what kind of local police grants we get. 
in the time that Biden has now been in office, we went from getting grants to 20 rural grant recipients. We're now down to six. That's the tangible effect that happens when Murkowski cast the tie-breaking vote on the Senate floor for Vanita Gupta to be in charge of determining whether or not we'll get police grants at a local level. When somebody says they're a defund the police activist, they mean it. Going from 20 grant recipients down to six is absolutely affecting local policing in rural Alaska, not to mention the rest of the country, but we're feeling it acutely up here. And those are the kind of decisions that I would make differently. I don't think we should be taking slap shots to the net from the Biden administration by a senior player who's wearing Team Biden, Pelosi and McConnell jersey. I think we need to put on a Team Alaska jersey and put a goalie in the net to stop these shots. I like that. So there's a uh, I keep bringing this up uh, every time I get a chance to because it's just speaks volumes to, um, you know, what happened uh a number of years ago when Lisa Murkowski won as a write-in on the Alaska Democrats Facebook page, they, they, they put out a press release and I'm going to read it verbatim October 24th, 2020. It says this on their official Alaska Democrats Facebook page as a press release, Lisa Murkowski holds her seat only because she convinced Democrats, Democrats to write her name in as an act of good faith. And it goes on to say other things, but that's the main point of the press release. <laughs> How quickly are we for, to forget, you know, what happened, you know, six years ago? Um, how important do you think it is, Kelly, for folks in Alaska who are majority conservative to have an actual conservative represent them? I think it's really important for us to get our common sense Alaska values in the Senate. We don't have that happening right now. We know, for example, that she is polling for Pelosi in the House of Representatives when everyone across the nation is trying to flip the balance in the House so that we can get rid of that radical Pelosi agenda that's not helping us in Alaska. We've got several candidates on the House ballot. She's endorsing and physically campaigning with the one candidate whose first vote in the House of Representatives for this next session will be to, to have Nancy Pelosi be our speaker again. That doesn't help us in Alaska. So to your point, John, there are absolutely deals that have been made behind closed doors that help her preserve that 41-year Murkowski monarchy, but don't help us here in Alaska because it's not really about us. It's about preserving that establishment agenda, the Biden-Pelosi-McConnell establishment agenda. McConnell has pledged up to $9 million in dark money spent in Alaska. In fact, there's been more dark money spent here in Alaska for this election to preserve Murkowski's seat then both Murkowski and I have spent combined in our respective campaigns. And it was Murkowski during her launch video for her campaign who said in this election, lower 48 dark money is gonna flood our state to try and buy our Senate seat for their partisan agendas and they don't care about your future. She was absolutely right when she made that statement. She just didn't disclose that all the dark money would be spent for her. But when you have millions of dollars coming in from dark money DC establishment swamp, you then owe millions of favors to those people, as she acknowledged. That, that's a partisan agenda that you're now beholden to. So we see those true colors, as you're saying, um, what's actually happening and who votes are owed to and, and, and what the deal is that's struck. The problem is when you go and talk to people at the door and you see the results here, 
Um, what are Alaskans paying for those deals? What's our inflation rate? What's the gas price at the pump? I mean, here are the questions that aren't being answered. We had the chairmanship of the Energy and Natural Resources Committee for six years. Why are we still paying the highest prices in the nation for energy? We're not in line to get the chairmanship of any major committee again if she's reelected. Here's another one. We are still owed millions of acres of land from the federal government that we were owed at statehood, that we were supposed to get right after ANOCA. It's been 21 years. Why don't we have those acres back from the federal government? Why didn't we ever get the $50 million that Murkowski promised us from Attorney General Barr and the Department of Justice for rural safety, public safety and police? Why are the Alaska Natives still dealing with the blood quantum requirement from the federal government? Why is Dan Sullivan calling the infrastructure bill that Murkowski wrote? She didn't just vote for it, she wrote it with Bernie Sanders. He calls it a bait and switch. He said the Biden administration has set the regulation hurdles and permit hurdles so high, they're designed to kill all infrastructure. Alaska will be lucky if it sees a dollar. And the reason is because they're all radical environmentalists. And who were they confirmed by? They were confirmed by the incumbent and the purpose is to kill all infrastructure. So he's even introduced legislation to try and reduce those regulatory and permitting hurdles so that we can get infrastructure. Murkowski signed on to it, essentially admitting the infrastructure bill was a fail. But you know what we did get from this infrastructure bill? We got all the inflation from it. It was $1.2 trillion. All, most of it, almost all of it wasn't actually set aside theoretically for infrastructure, it's for climate change. But that's the part that she doesn't tell us. She's the person who runs ads up here, paid ads saying Biden's coming to grab your guns. While she worked with Biden and McConnell to push through the gun control legislation and red flag laws that she was warning us about. So this is why people across the state are saying it's time for a change. It's time for a common sense Alaskan voice that shares our values to represent our vote and our voice in the Senate because we're tired of somebody who just keeps working for the establishment, saying one thing here and doing the opposite there. And we're not going to get anything different the next six years that we haven't seen the last 21 years from the current incumbent. Yeah, it's an interesting point on the uh, the attorney general bars uh, money. I, the, I haven't thought of that for, gosh, probably a year or so. And I, when you said that, I thought to myself, I wonder if that money has got to Alaska. I remember him coming up in I think he like declared a, a a rural emergency in Alaska and was supposed to give Alaska all this money. And I think, you know, you're somebody who's been a government watchdog person, for lack of a better word, and, you know, sought out places where people were doing fraud and spending wasn't appropriate and those kinds of things. And I can't think of a better person to figure out, you know, are people delivering on their promises when they come to Alaska and see problems? You would be somebody who I would trust to figure out, okay, if Kelly's in office, we're going to get that money because she is going to hunt down that money. I can't tell you if we got this money or not. And to your point, it's just one of those things where it goes to the wayside because it's, you know, there's 17 other things people are doing. And so um, I think that, uh, you know, Judging by all these attack ads, they're very scared of you to be in office because of your background. Talk to us a little bit about your background for folks that, you know, every time we have you on, there's people that are like, wow, this is the first time I've heard Kelly's story. And this is awesome. So talk to us just a little bit about your background, even though it probably feels like everybody in the state by now should know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fine. After law school, I joined the Office of the Inspector General at the Department of Justice. I did not know that these offices existed when I got that job. But there's these anti-swamp offices embedded in the executive branch at every federal department. And their job is to expose waste, fraud, and abuse and shrink government and cut costs and make government more efficient and effective. Good government can actually happen. And it's these offices that do it, the Office of the Inspector General. And I came across a case early in my career where I, I found FBI and Department of Justice officials physically abusing Americans and violating constitutional rights. It went to the US Supreme Court. That's when I got hooked and decided my first job was going to be a career. Because if you don't have people in there who won't be bullied, won't be silenced, won't be controlled, government isn't always for us. It can be against us. And so I dedicated my career to this. Again, it was an apolitical job and had to be by nature. But making sure that government works for us and not against us, I oversaw 20 federal agencies, came home, was able to do this for state government, making it more efficient and effective as well. And that's essentially what we're going to do from the Senate office. We want to make government work for us and not against us. Something that's really exciting is these inspector general offices are independent. They report up to the cabinet officials. That means they report up to Joe Biden. But then they also report over to the U.S. Congress. But John, we would rarely get inquiries from congressmen or senators asking us to do investigations or audits, because if you look at the 100 senators, there's not one of them who's actually really spent much time in the bureaucracy understanding how it works. It's their job to hold the bureaucracy accountable. But do they really understand what they're supposed to do or how to do it? And I don't think that they do. This is where we're going to have a special strength and superpower, if you will, when I become senator. I'll be the only senator who's worked from entry level up to senior management in the bureaucracy, always as a watchdog, holding it accountable, never part of the system, always as on the outside, not being bullied or bamboozled or boxed in by the swamp. And we'll walk in on day one and have thousands of federal law enforcement agents and auditors and lawyers and inspectors who we can call on that are in Joe Biden's bureaucracy that we can get to start making these agencies work for Alaska instead of against us. Any senator could do this, but again, they don't do it. And I think it's because they don't know how, but we're going to be able to work immediately. That means we don't have to wait until 2024 to get around Joe Biden. We don't have to wait for Congress to act. We're going to start moving immediately. And that's very exciting to me. Think of the audits and investigations that we would like to ask for. And anytime I say this in audience, Alaska just starts clapping because there's a lot of things we need to push back on. We are the victims of federal overreach and control up here, and we can start pushing back on that on day one. And that's what I intend to do. I like that. So tell me a couple of what's been some of your favorite moments on the campaign trail. You said you've been on the road for, I believe you said 600 or something days. What, is, what have been some of your favorite moments uh, on the campaign trail these last couple of years? Oh, there's definitely memorable ones like uh, getting weathered in down on the Aleutians when I went down to King Cove. They, they were surprised. They said, you're, you're spending the night. Nobody spends the night. I said, don't you spend the night? Isn't that the whole <laughs> issue with the King Cove Road? They said, well, if you spend the night, you're going to get weathered in. And I said, OK, well, then we'll experience it. And man, Arctic typhoons on the Aleutians are nothing to mess with. So that really hit home why they need that road. It was really great getting to be up on the blanket toss at Nalukituk up in Ukiavik when they did the whaling festival. Uh, everybody around was saying, don't get up there, don't get up there. Uh, that's really dangerous. And I understand having been up there why it is dangerous, but it was absolutely an experience of a lifetime to 
be um, tossed on the blanket toss and get to see what that was like. That was really thrilling. But absolutely, I think my favorite point was being at the end of the Iditarod up in Nome, watching the, the mushers come across the finish line. I've always been at the beginning of Iditarod. Mom had us volunteering when we were kids, always at the start. And that's electric and exciting. I think everyone can identify with that. But getting to see the end was just something different because, you know, in the lower 48, they think that the Iditarod is a dog sled race. And it's not a dog sled race. For us, we understand that it is a, the epitome of Alaska love. We understand that we're commemorating the serum run when no needed medicine and people raced over a thousand miles and faced all kinds of Arctic inclement weather to bring life-saving medicine to people they didn't even know. And we understand that in Alaska, we would do that again today if that happened. And we commemorate that every year. And that's the kind of love that people in the lower 48 just don't understand. They don't understand the kind of community that we have up here and what it really means to be Alaskan. But I also think that that's the kind of race that we're running up here in this campaign. Um, you know, it's been like 600 days or whatever, and that's like the world's longest campaign in Alaska. So we've raced, we're racing, you know, miles, have gone more miles in state than it takes to circumnavigate the globe. I think I've hit lap two because that was true before last December. So imagine how much further it's been as of this November. Um, we faced all kinds of inclement condition, if you will, with all this dark money coming in from the lower 48. People said they've never seen a hate-filled and hostility-filled and lie-filled campaign like the one that's come from the incumbent. But we're running as a team, and why are we doing it? And it's really not because of Kelly Chewbacca. This isn't Kelly Chewbacca versus Lisa Murkowski. We're really doing it because we love our state. We love Alaska, and we know what's on the line. And this is something that the lower 48 doesn't understand. And I don't think Mitch McConnell is ever going to understand why we won this election or how we did it. And I, just like they don't understand the Iditarod, they're going to be talking about this race for years, just like they talk about the Iditarod, but they're never going to really understand how we pulled together as a team, how we powered our campaign with grassroots donations from Alaskans. Our average donation is $76 as of a couple weeks ago. And we're, we're toe to toe in a 50-50 tied race with a 21 year incumbent in a 41 year Murkowski monarchy with floods of dark money, tsunami of dark money from the lower 48. They don't understand. And when we pull this off, it's gonna be amazing, but we understand it. We understand we're doing it because we love our state and we love each other and we know what's on the line and we'll do anything to save this state. So I think seeing that at the end of the Iditarod, it really drove home for me what's really happening and, and the why behind what we're doing. Nice. Well, tell us um, before we uh, run out of time here, are you having an election watch party? How can folks that want to come, uh, you know, to your party, tell us all the information and where is it going to be and all that kind of stuff? Yes, please join us. It will start at 8 p.m. at Main Event Grill in Anchorage. It's uh, off Old Seward near Diamond. Please join us. We'll see you there. And I think it's going to be a really exciting night. Definitely a celebratory night for us. 8 p.m. main event and grill in Anchorage. We'd love to have you. If you want to learn more, I'm at kelly4ak.com, K-E-L-L-Y-F-O-R-A-K.com. We definitely need help. We're going to be doing a big push for door knocking this weekend. I'll be out for seven hours door knocking today. If you want to help and get out on the, on the streets with us, I'd love to have your help. And if you want to donate, the more we donate and raise, the, we're just going to put out more and more ads so that people who haven't heard yet, haven't made up their minds that they can see what the story is about and that the, we can drive out the vote. We need to get out the vote and get as many people to rank Kelly one. So I get this question too, just bubble Kelly Chewbacca one 
and then move on from your Senate ballot. That's all you need to do. Kelly Chewbacca won and move on to the House ballot. Thanks so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us here on the Must Read Alaska show. We wish you nothing but success on the night of the election. And uh, thank you. And and, uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll have you back on the show sometime soon. For folks listening in, uh, we'll be back on probably Monday, next week's election week. So um, I'm going to be in Anchorage all week. So the show may uh, be a little bit different next week, but you just have to bear with us. Well, Suzanne and I will be live on the election night, November 8th, uh, just like we've done the last three years, probably for about three hours or so. We'll have different guests coming in throughout the night, whether it be the governor or other elected officials, other um, uh, folks in the know when it comes to election and different consultants, if you will. So we're going to keep it fun, keep it lively, have some great guests. So you're going to want to tune in on election night to Must Read Alaska's Facebook page because we'll be uh, they're tuning in uh, all the election news. So until next time, I'm John Quick from Somewhere Alaska signing off. Hope everybody has a fabulous, fabulous day. Thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye.